Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Screen Heroes. I am your regular host, Derek, and I have with me my other two lovely co-hosts, Ryan. Hello. And Ray. What's up? And we are here this week to celebrate 15 years of Batman Begins and the start of the Nolan trilogy of Batman films. But before we dive into that, we'll talk about some news happening in the entertainment world um just to get an easy one out of the way the golden globes have now adjusted their date this is something that is kind of in response to the academy awards pushing so the golden globes will actually now take the old oscar spot which is sunday february 28th uh which is moving them from early january oh okay it was like uh like one week later no it's like six weeks oh really Um, it's that much okay Cool. Give or take, yeah. Um, and so they they basically just took the old Oscar spot, mm-hmm. and that'll be that. So if you're interested in such things, that is when you'll be able to see that. Okay, super exciting. Uh, next up, let's talk Cobra Kai, because I know Ryan is a fan of this. Uh, Cobra Kai has moved to Netflix for its season three premiere uh ryan good move bad move do you want to tell people some history of the show necessary move i think because uh so yeah if you don't know about this show it's uh kind of it's a sequel series to karate kid uh one two and three um it premiered originally on netflix or on netflix on uh, youtube red which then became youtube premium so that's where the first two first two seasons were um and it was kind of slow to pick up steam but once it did it got a lot of really really good reviews from a lot of uh a lot of sites uh, much much more positive than people expected and so it's gained some traction and now uh youtube red and premium i guess premium is still a thing but they're not doing scripted series anymore so uh they're moving that they've been shopping for a home for it and netflix is where it's landing so um, I'm assuming that one at season one and two will be there before too long. And then season three will premiere there. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I'm fine with it because I've wanted to watch this and I don't have YouTube premium. So I do have Netflix, which means when the first two seasons land later this year, I'll be able to watch those. And I'm really looking forward to it. So yeah, they, they, they were available for free, even without YouTube Red for a long time. But Oh, I didn't realize that. It's not really convenient because people don't really have TV or whatever. They don't ever use it. And so it's just kind of a pain in the butt. So having it on Netflix, which people are used to using, will make it a lot easier. And it'll probably, I would be surprised if it didn't have like kind of a resurgence mm-hmm. um, when it actually moves to Netflix and people can just binge it easily. Yeah, I agree with you. Because, yeah, I don't think I realized that you could watch the first two seasons for free. Um, because we talked just, about it on this, on this podcast. I, don't remember. Yeah. I must have forgotten. I don't really think about YouTube Premium, honestly. I understand. Um, you, that's A lot of people don't. And that's why I feel like the show has kind of gone unnoticed, despite all the very, very good reviews. And so hopefully it finds some good, uh, good home on Netflix. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ray, any comments, thoughts on Cobra Kai? No, no, whatever William Zapka and Ralph Macchio have to do for paychecks, man. You do your thing. <laughs> wow, that's k- kind of harsh. <laughs> I mean, they milked three seasons so far out of a show out of a show that nobody expected to even be good for one season. So And three movies. So Yeah, well the, the movies are of are a debatable quality uh, after the first <laughs> one. So. The first one is still standby. The second one maybe a little bit, but the third one and all the ones after that was Yikes. There was only one more after that. Well, there was the next Karate Kid with uh, Hilary oh, Swank, and then right. there was the reboot with uh, Will Smith's Jayden. kid. You know, yeah. And Jackie Chan. I didn't see that one. Me neither. I refuse. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, moving on. So something kind of interesting. Tina Fey made the decision to uh, basically have 30 Rock pull some episodes from circulation. Uh, This will include not only streaming and cable syndication, but also the ability to purchase these episodes on uh, services like iTunes and Amazon Prime. And that is the multiple episodes that include characters in blackface. Um, This was actually a a main reason I never finished watching 30 Rock. Yeah, we stopped watching the show because it was so, like, it, it, it was just unbearable. Lots of racially themed humor, I'm assuming. I don't I never watched it, so well for the first like three seasons, there were maybe three episodes with somebody in blackface. That's just a lot. Yeah. It's just it's I mean, it's so much that they keep going back to. It really caught TV me off guard. Show, that's a lot. Yeah. And like the first time it was just like surprising um and shocking, and then it kind of kept happening and it was just I yeah, it really turned me off. And so I've never finished the show. I forget how far I got, but I never never finished the thing. So what are you gonna do? But any any thoughts, opinions on this? Do you think it's a good move or bad move? Yeah. If I remember the episodes that I saw correctly, um they had nothing to do in the long run. So it's not gonna hurt their story. This was, you know, back when sitcoms had a huge amount of episodes and a lot of it was filler so i think this is a really cool move you know it's not going to hurt anything it's only going to make me want to go back to the show maybe even finish it 
So what happens to the people that have already bought it on, like you said, iTunes or Amazon? Do they get those episodes removed from their previous purchase? I assume not. Yeah, I was going to say, that seems a little, like, I'm sure that there's not a lot of people that would be upset that Blackface episodes got removed, but there's probably some because they did pay for it. Right. Yeah, yeah, I, I would be surprised if those were removed from people who had already purchased them digitally. Um, and if they were, I mean, whether the, you know, whether that person's opinion of the episodes being removed is positive or not, if you paid for individual episodes, I mean, getting a refund on those probably wouldn't be a poor decision for the, the companies to make. Right. Um, you know, but I can't imagine that they would pull those from existing people. That would be surprising. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, not that it doesn't happen. Uh, you know, there's there's situations in the digital world where if you don't have it downloaded, you can't go back and download it again. So if you already have it, then you're safe, right? So I don't know what the situation will be here. It's a good question. Uh, okay. Well, moving on from that, uh, before we get into, we have one big news topic we want to cover. There's a couple of you know, sad things to uh, to talk about. We had two. Uh, kind of bigger stars uh, pass away this past week. The first is Ian Holm at the age of 88. Ian Holm, of course, uh, in a ton of of productions, but was probably most well known for these days as uh, as Bilbo in Lord of the Rings. And so that was that was sad. Of course, I didn't realize he was actually that old. To be honest with you, I forget sometimes that the Lord of the Rings movies are closing in on 20 years old but uh that's that's sad 88's a good run but still sad yeah uh what was your favorite favorite ian hall movie guys so i mean i that's a it's a good question it's a tough question i'm a sucker for alien personally um i thought he played that role incredibly well and while it's maybe not one of his larger roles it still holds up and is creepy and and intense as hell yeah alien was great that's a tough one to beat i mean i don't probably bilbo is the most boring answer but i mean probably the one i connected with him the most on that's good what about you ray okay so aside from those two because i really love those two i'm gonna say the underrated um johnny depp movie from hell he plays jack the ripper and it's a slow thriller kind of thing and ian holm just does a fantastic job you you don't suspect him and he outshines heather graham and johnny depp immensely he makes that movie is um he makes the movie like that's all there is to it that's fair. That's a good one. Along this vein, we also lost uh, director Joel Schumacher. He passed away at the age of 80 after uh, about a year or so of battling cancer, which, you know, of course sucks. That's a terrible way to go. Um, he have, I mean, he's directed some really massive projects. All the articles are talking about Batman forever because of the kind of the timing of, of its anniversary coming up. But Yep. He also directed St. Elmo's Fire and The Lost Boys, Flatliners, Falling Down, which is one of my absolute uh, favorite um, Michael Douglas films. I, I actually really love that movie. And um, I was a big fan of his Phantom of the Opera film. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
a couple that are kind of sleepers, like the number 23 with, with Jim Carrey, I think is a really underrated film that, that he also directed. So um, lots of influential stuff outside of, of Batman. Uh, but, uh, you know, definitely sad to see him go that way. Yeah, absolutely. But 80 is a good run. So, you know, I had no idea he was that old. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird, right? That like certain characters or, or people, um, you know, that I grew up with, it's hard to kind of grasp how much time has passed from when I was first introduced to them. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's tough to keep track of. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so with that, that in mind, we're going to kind of use this to bridge to our, our main news topic. It's a little bit happier. So we'll, we'll have that little sandwich there of the, uh, the other Batman news, which is Michael Keaton is in talks to return as Batman in the DCEU, first, first and foremost, in the Flash movie that we are, I guess, still getting at some point down the road. Um, Guys, I mean, this is massive news. You, everyone's probably seen it posted in every single entertainment outlet that's out there, but this is the first chance we've had to talk about it on the show. Um, reactions, thoughts, hopes, dreams, go. <laughs> <laughs> I think Ryan should speak first. Sure. Um, I mean, it's no secret that I love Michael Keaton just in general, but specifically fell in love with him as an actor in Batman and Beetlejuice. And so... Um, you know, seeing him come back to one of those roles, hopefully not the other, <laughs> we'll see. They're rebooting everything. But um, yeah, that's a pretty major thing for a lot of people. Um, I worry, first of all, this movie is never going to happen. But also that DC is just like, well, what can we do to get fans back on our side? And that's pretty much the one thing that they could, that, the one card that they haven't played is to bring back, you know, they can't bring back most of their other actors that are major that people love uh, Mm -hmm. because they've passed or, you know, other extenuating circumstances. But that's the one that they can who's still acting. And I'd be heartbroken if it was bad. Yeah, I think that's certainly fair. And this has, has certainly gathered a lot of steam over the last couple of years as people have really been suggesting or even campaigning for Michael Keaton to return to play Bruce Wayne in a Batman beyond style production. Um, And for those who may not be familiar, Batman beyond was an animated show that takes place farther in the future. So Bruce Wayne is an old man and he brings in a new, a new Batman. Um, And it's a cool idea. You know, Michael Keaton of course is an appropriate age to be able to, to pull that off and still bring a lot of physicality to the role. Um, this is different, right? This, I mean, of course this could lead to something like that, but the flash movie is, you know, reportedly going to be flashpoint where Barry goes back in time and changes the timeline. That means there could be the Thomas Wayne, Batman, there could be just different multiverse Batman in, you know, taking the CWs route in crisis on infinite earths and just do whatever they want with the multiverse. Uh, since Ezra Miller's flash did show up in that. Uh, Ray, what do you think? What are your thoughts? So I'm really excited about it. I'm hoping that everything goes through and we actually see this happen because just like Ryan said, he'd be heartbroken if it was bad. I'd also be really heartbroken if everything like falls through, if the Flash movie never happens or 
negotiations with uh, Keaton fall through because this is like this is more exciting than the Flash movie and maybe that's because like Ezra Miller as Barry Allen doesn't really resonate with me or maybe it's just because they've been saying it's coming for so long and it hasn't it's you know it's like winter in Game of Thrones (laughs) but I this has really got my hopes up to be completely honest. Like it's such a cool thing. And if they don't deliver, it might turn me off of the, everything that's not like the women focused stuff in DC. Shazam? Shazam was good. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. I would, I would definitely watch Shazam and uh, any man of steel stuff again. Cause I love Cavill and, uh, Levi, but I might like stay away from even the Pattinson Batman. I just might have like a sour taste in my mouth. I don't know. I think I think something that we all kind of overlooked was that cameo in the CW Crisis on Infinite Earths. I think that if, you know if we read the articles and stuff about it from when it happened, that it was the like. DC like Warner Brothers people that were pushing that to happen really hard like last minute and so I feel like maybe there was I'm not saying that Grant Gustin is going to show up in the movie but I'm saying that they're definitely wanting to tie in to some sort of multiverse and uh, it's with this news it seems likely that you know uh, or the news article that I read I think from the rap said that uh, allegedly uh, it's going to be like Flashpoint, like Derek said, but then when he goes back to save his mom, he creates a, another multiverse where the 89 Batman movie and the 91, I guess, Batman movie happened. Um, and I'm guessing that's how they'll tie in Pattinson's Batman and kind of bring him in. I don't know. But it's it seems like that that could have been a little more relevant than what we all thought. We all thought it was a fun cameo, but you know, maybe it's, they're really trying to tie that into the flash movie. Well, and, and don't forget before, I mean, spoilers for crisis, right. But before all the, the multiverse verses are destroyed, we see the 1989 earth, like that's there. So they already were admitting that that's part of the same multiverse. And then, yeah, bringing Ezra Miller into it just solidifies that connection more. Um, and you know, having a flashpoint to reset the multiverse is not a bad idea, especially if they can do Except anything. they already did that in Crisis. Like, it, that's where it doesn't make sense to me, is, like, they basically made everything Earth-1 in Crisis, except for, well, like, this, two things. This shatters it back out, right? And gives them flexibility again to have these different universes. And, like, Stargirl is a good example of that, where she's now sitting off on her own again, um, which is a little confusing. And you know, we still don't know really where Titans and Doom Patrol are in relation to the Swamp CW thing. shows and Swamp Thing. Yeah, exactly. We know that they all existed in the multiverse, but after all of the other Earths are destroyed, where are they now? The, doing a Flashpoint film could reset that so that way those shows are now post-Flashpoint that exist in their own Earths. It's a little ridiculous that they need this many resets to make it work, though. I mean, let's get real. Well, let's let's be totally fair. That is like the most comic book thing. I mean, at the sure, end of the day. but so <laughs> if you doesn't if you mean want... it's necessarily great for a movie universe. No, right. no. I just if you want your comic book movies, this is this is a comic book thing. So um, we'll see how it goes. We will. 
Yeah, we, none of us that really love Ezra Miller as Barry or were at the very least ambiguous about it. So, you know, it's hard to be excited for that. But yeah, this this makes me more excited for, to see Michael Keaton again than the actual Flash movie. So, which yeah. is kind of sad. And I think Rachel mentioned something similar to that. It's it's incredibly sad that that's what it's going to be. But whatever it takes to get butts in the seats, I guess. Yeah, I think the trick with, for at least for me, with Ezra is just we see so little of him. Uh, he, you know, he's, he's a side character in, in justice league. And since he, he hasn't had his own film, it's, it's hard for me to really give a strong opinion on it, but um, I'm willing to give him a chance. I, I am. I've been wrong so many times about casting ahead of time, especially in the superhero genre that I'm, I'm willing to give somebody a chance to, to, to show what they can do. Um, but this is this is pretty crazy. I mean, I, I never really thought that Warner Brothers or DC Entertainment would be willing to do something like this on the big screen. Like, sure, CW, play, do whatever you want to do, right? But this is this is big time. So you know what I do think is funny though, Derek, is that when Captain America Civil War was coming out, you were like, This is not a Captain America movie. This is an Avengers movie. Why are they calling it Captain America? Well the he Flash still says that. Flashpoint is I, that is a might as well be a Justice League movie because every almost every member of the Justice League is in it. I don't disagree so with you. I, like, calling it the Flash movie is a little silly. Well, for, we don't know what it's called. So I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what else to call it. I mean, we could just call it Flashpoint and then that's fine. I mean, at this point, I'm calling it the Flash movie because we don't know what else to call it. If it has a title and it's called The Flash, then yeah, I'm going to have the exact same problem with it that's, that Captain America Silver War has. I'm going to hold you to ridiculous. that. No, because it is. It's a, it's a dumb title. Okay, okay. but if they, if they just want to call it Flashpoint, then I think that's fine because that is based heavily on the comic book story of the same name. Sure. I don't, you don't have to tack on Justice League in front of every movie title either. So, you know. All right. I'm just going to hold you to that. Though. Well, because I, I think that going the, the civil war route, calling it just civil war would have been fine. I think that's, you know, it doesn't have to be Avengers civil war. It could just be civil war. Okay. You know, that's all. All right. But that's just me. I know. Um, any other thoughts on the Michael Keaton news? No. Okay. Nope, I think we pretty much discussed it. Cool. 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 Well, then I think it's time for us to take a short break. And then when we come back, we will be talking Batman Begins from 2005 and celebrate the 15th anniversary of that in spoiler glory. So we will be right back. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
All right, we are back. We are here to talk Batman Begins for its 15th anniversary. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but that, I can't believe it's been 15 years since this movie came out. Uh, does it feel like it's that old to you no. guys? Uh, it did watching it. Again. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't have, uh, you know, okay. guessed that it was that old. Well, uh, just I'll throw the numbers out real quick. Uh, So Batman Begins came out June 15, 2005, with a budget of $150 million. And it grossed worldwide a little over $360 million. Uh, To put that in perspective, the 1989 Batman did better. It made about $411 million off of a $35 million budget far earlier obviously 1989 um and then all the recent ones bvs the dark knight joker and dark knight rises all made more money as well uh but it did outperform a lot of what came before it batman forever batman and robin um, and batman returns so not terrible not great it did help kickstart this new trilogy each film did progressively better with uh, Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises each breaking a billion dollars at the box office on slightly larger budgets. So that is the finances around the movie. Before we dive into spoilers for Batman Begins, uh, ah, screw it. It's 15 years old. Let's just, let's just dive in. So Ryan, you're saying that now that you watched it, it feels 15 years old. Let's, let's talk about that. What do, what do you mean? I'm just going to come out in front and say it. I do not really like this movie or the trilogy in terms of like uh, Batman being Batman movies. Um, But uh, uh, this movie was not, I I used to think that this was the best of the three in terms of like Batman, how much bat, like what, what felt like Batman, but man, rewatching it. I didn't have that feeling nearly as much. I think I prefer the dark Knight quite a bit, but um, I mean, the CGI of the bats and stuff was was not great. And like, you know, I don't know. It just didn't... Having seen BBS and the Batman that came out after this, uh, it really made me see even further how much I didn't appreciate this Batman. Okay. If that makes any sense. I don't know. The movie just felt dated watching it again. Fair enough. Uh, Ray, what about you? What are your initial thoughts on the film? All right, so I, I'm i not, I don't know. It's difficult for me to put into words. I like Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. I've never really had a problem with them. And uh, Dark Knight Rises, I've got a ton of problems with. But <laughs> these first two, I really enjoy. I will say that the CGI in certain places was bothersome uh especially when he released the bats in the narrows building and it i think it was really off setting for me because the extras moved just a little like their cue was a little too early and i didn't notice it in theaters i didn't notice it upon a lot of rewatches but you know, we've been doing this podcast for five years. I haven't watched the movie since then. And I just noticed more stuff. And that was really bothersome. Uh, also, like, I really don't like Katie Holmes in this role. <laughs> like, Maggie Gyllenhaal is a much better actress. And I 
I would much rather watch her as Rachel than Katie Holmes. So, I mean, those are my biggest nitpicks. I, I love Christian Bale as Batman and I liked his portrayal in this. He, he says some stuff that's not exactly, um, very Batman, but can you give me an example? Okay. So, uh, there's a lot of cliches in the script you know a lot of them just spout one-liners that belong in a 1970s 1980s action movie or tv show instead you know when um when bale says that like i'm not gonna kill you but i don't have to save you either like (laughs) that's that's you still... just murdered a dude. Like, let's get <laughs> yeah, real. People are like, oh, Batman man. doesn't kill. Dude, you, you fucking killed him. Like, you can say whatever yeah. you want, but. And let's talk about all the people on the highway during the Tumblr scene. I, I thought the same thing. Yeah. I'm like, holy crap. He just, like, massacred all these cops. You're telling me that none of them died. I know that, like, Lucius or, or Alfred or one of them says something like, yeah, Alfred says it doesn't happen. That it's a good thing no one died. But like one of those cop cars flips like seven times, uh-huh. you know. And so like I think here's the the problem with it isn't it's not necessarily that he kills people. It's that the things he does could easily lead to people's death, and he doesn't seem to care about it. Yeah, he's not actively like putting a gun to people's faces or anything, but he's also not really giving a flying rat's ass if he does like kill (laughs) anybody in as a bystander well it's a similar problem to man of steel at the the big climactic fight where you know soups and um and um um oh my god Batman. no 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 in man of steel zod thank you i want want to say zed like in power rangers and i knew that that wasn't (laughs) right um they're like crashing through building after building and just like tearing things down and you're telling me nobody got caught in any of that crossfire like of course somebody was unlucky enough to be in one of those spots and this is the same kind of thing right like throwing that line in that nobody died in the car chase is like it's a little silly and i guess it just allows you to say oh he doesn't kill anybody but his actions very easily could have killed people and derek you you said before all this that uh that the fact that he kills people isn't the big deal but when bvs came out that was like a lot of people's biggest complaint about batman was that he was killing people but he didn't shoot people straight up either he He was blowing up cars and stuff very similar to this movie there just wasn't a throwaway line saying oh, you didn't kill anybody. You're, you're so lucky. You know what I mean? No, that's actually my what I was trying to say. I, I, I may have said it poorly, but my point is more of that this Batman is equally violent and equally careless about the lives of people in his way. Yeah, and the Batfleck Batman, he, he it was a story reason as to why these things were happening. You know, he was so jaded as yeah. to what the world was and what he had, you know, everything... So he had stopped caring. Yeah, exactly. So there was a legit reason in that movie. This movie is just like, okay, killed people. Whoops. Now my, I think my biggest issue with the Batfleck was the branding of the criminals. Like that was a little much for me. I, but the accidentally killing people or people getting in the way as he's doing stuff—that's on par with what we've seen from 
Keaton and Kilmer yeah. and Clooney. Every on-screen Batman has killed people, yeah. pretty much. Mm-hmm. And the, the, tr- the trick here is, you know, whereas the, the, the Ben Affleck Batman is incredibly dark, like you guys were saying, there's a very big narrative reason for that. Here, the narrative is he's trying to save the, the girl that he loves right and don't get me wrong like it's a very you know stereotypical movie hero thing to do but at the end of the day he's sacrificing other people's lives for this one person and, and alfred kind of says something to that effect uh shortly after this um but it is a problem and it doesn't change throughout the movie he doesn't really learn from that because at the end of the movie they blow up a freaking train and it's not even it's not even just those moments like even at the very early parts where he's training with the league of assassins and they ask him to kill this guy he instead of killing the guy takes a sort of like flings some coal and makes starts a big fire that dude that he wasn't going to kill probably died i know that he cut the rope or whatever but do you think these ninjas are just going to let him leave right he's a criminal right that was the whole point and then probably a bunch of the League of Assassins died there too. I mean, he knows the one guy died because the column fell on him. No, a that lot might of as well people. Have been, yeah, a lot of people died. So there. I mean, from the very beginning, it sets up this guy as a killer. And to be fair, in the movie, he never says. I don't think he ever says that he's not going to kill people. Like right. it's kind of implied when he doesn't want to kill that one guy, but. Well, no, because he's straight up. He doesn't say he won't kill. He says, I won't be an executioner. And it's like he's created this line of when it's okay to kill people and when it's not okay to kill people. Yeah. Right. So, like, once somebody's in custody, then you're an executioner. Before they're literally in custody, then if they die, well, you know. Or if they attack you. But, like, a bunch of innocent civilians getting run over by the tumbler. And also, when he drives over that one cop car, and then the cop like radios it in, there's no fucking way those cops aren't dead, right? That t- that tumbler has to weigh like fifteen thousand pounds. It is very tank. unlikely. No, I'm with you. Well, that that's why I was saying about the car that I think there's a car that flips like five, seven times. Yeah, it, it was These just so like um, when it, when we, we we watched that that thing drive over the cop car, I was like, oh well, that's two dead cops, and then it shows them like, oh, mm-hmm. it's a it's a tank. I'm like, yeah, right, guys, come on. That's you might as well have a steamroller drive over the top of you. It's almost like they were being dishonest with the audience about it. Like at least the, the Ben Affleck Batman is honest about what he is, right? He is a brutal damaged, vicious person and they're not going to pull back from that. But in Batman begins and in the trilogy as a whole, they always pull back from it. He does something where people should have died, but it's okay. They're okay. It kind of makes it like, well, then it's kid friendly because nobody really died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so they want all the action. They want the big set pieces and they want the, the spectacle of it with none of the actual consequences. Yeah, it just bothers me that, that, the, that BVS, like BVS was not a perfect movie. It had a lot of problems. And, I, and there's certain problems that you can say, and I will absolutely agree with you, but him killing, it's like people just forget about every other Batman movie that's ever come out where he also kills. And yes, yeah. the branding is brutal, right? But that's, again, it's part of his character. He just... That's how far he's come as Batman. He's gone to this point, and you know, he Batman is killed in every single movie, and all the people that cling to this well, being the not best the Adam, Adam West, movie. but he probably did too. If you watch all the episodes, I don't know. I meant the movie in the in the oh, Adam West yeah. movie, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I just, that, that bothers me a lot. I'm not going to dwell on it because that's not what yeah. this podcast is about. But well, so there there are some things I do like about this movie quite a bit, though. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't bother me that he's Batman for so little of it. I I don't mind that so much. I think a lot of 
superhero origin stories have a similar cadence from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the training. I like the League of Shadows aspect to it. I like how we get to see him learn these abilities because until now, he's just kind of always been Batman and he's just a really great fighter. But I like seeing that built and where it came from. See, my problem with that whole thing, I like it. I liked a lot of it. But like you have no sense really of the progression of time because when he was in Gotham and it shows the flashback to like him getting ready to cowardly kill uh, the guy with the uh, Joe chill. Right. Mm -hmm. He's like a pushover. Like he's so like a sad sack of something. Like he's just not, he has no spine. He's just the scared little kid still as an adult, but you know, and he obviously still has, he has no fighting skills at this point. Because when, you know, the mobster, you know, punches him in the face and they throw him out, it's like there's, he does nothing. And I guess you could argue that they have guns and it's a mob boss, but whatever. He, he, there was nothing there. And then all of a sudden now he's a master fighter that can fight Ra's well, al it's, Ghul. It's seven years. They, they do say that in the movie. Seven years is not enough to be able to beat somebody that's been training their whole life as a martial artist. That may be that that's, that's I guess separate, he isn't portrayed but... as doing it his whole life, is he? He says something about he had a wife and like, right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's very fuzzy. The whole thing. Like, why are these the best martial artists in the world? Yeah, it's, it's, it is. Why confi- is Ra's al Ghul played by a white guy? Not just a yeah. white guy, but a white guy who hasn't even been doing this his entire life. Yeah. British like, white guy. yeah. <laughs> Like, probably not much longer than Bruce has. The other thing that I really, really disliked about this movie on the rewatch is the choreography. It is so bad. It's constant cuts everywhere. You don't have one part of a fight scene that lasts more than, like, a second and a half. I don't know why we're still pretending that 78-year-old Liam Neeson is a skilled martial artist. Like, that poor man, he he's just, he's not the action star that people associate him with it's true uh, did anybody did either of you guys laugh when he uh when, when they're on the ice and he goes my wife was taken and then basically looks yeah. at the camera it's like the movie hadn't even come out yet i don't think at this point the taken <laughs> movie but it was just like like time froze for me for that second it was great it's like it's in his contract that every <laughs> character has to have the same backstory right right and it has to reference it for another movie of his um yeah but i mean i i did i did like most of this stuff up on the mountain (laughs) i uh i'm so sorry i i just thought about it like him referencing other movies of his like (laughs) you know he asked uh, christian bale asked him about his wife and he's like i was in love actually with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. (laughs) (laughs) It was a phantom menace. And yeah, here sorry. we are. No, the scene on the ice in theory was really cool, but the choreography for it and the way it was shot just ruined it. And you're probably right about it being 
lot of it being related to Liam Neeson, Rachel, is he just doesn't move like he used to. And no, they have well, to hide I mean, that somehow. He well, was a this dramatic was 15 years ago. Yeah, but... He was a dramatic, like Shakespearean actor when he was in the prime of his youth. And he was in the prime. Like you go back 30, 40 years and you see his movies and he was legit. But he didn't start doing action stuff until he reached his like fifties or sixties. No, I'm mean, this. He was fifty three when this movie came out. Mm-hmm. Okay, well then there's so, no excuse for it. Let's be other fair. Other than just other than just uh, um, Chris I Nolan think- being terrible at filming martial arts scenes. I mean, that maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But the, every fight in this movie was really terrible. It, it wasn't great, and I, I think the reason I don't want to put a lot of blame on Liam Neeson is because I also think Christian Bale wasn't very good at it either. Um, And so I think that it was either a training problem or, or a choreography problem. But Christian Bale at least had the benefit of wearing a costume for a lot of that. Yes. I mean, there's a whole scene where it's him and like four fully covered stunt guys, essentially from the league of league of assassins. And even that one is filmed the exact same way. And it's not good. It's Mm. so many cuts. You can't tell what's going on. So that's, and then it almost seemed like that was the style that Nolan was going for. And I just don't think it works bad. No, not bad, but like lots of cuts and lots of different angles for the shots. And I just don't think it worked the way he saw it in his head. Maybe not. I don't know how he saw it in his head, but it didn't work for me anyway. Maybe it worked for other people. I don't know. You guys did, did that bother you guys? Not as much as it bothers Probably you. Not as much as you. Well, but it did it bother you at all. I mean, I know it bothered me a lot, but not really. I think because I'm trying to compare it to other movies from the, around the same age. And when you look back at 2005, what we had in that landscape just isn't like more impressive from that standpoint, you know? I mean, it's, I, I don't, I, I mean, not, not in the superhero genre. Like what do you like? Yes. Why does it have to be from the superhero genre to compare it to? Cause I mean, I'm, there's been a lot of movies with great fight scenes that came out way before 2005. I'm not, I'm just trying to compare apples to apples and just, that's what this, because the superhero genre has come a very long way since this movie came out. And I think this movie, Spider-Man two X two, those were kind of the, the turning point for this genre and they help kickstart what it has become. So I'm just trying to compare apples to apples. Okay. I just think that when, when you're making a movie about the best or one of the top three fighters in the entire DC universe that you need to have, some respect for that and film the fight scenes in a way that shows off that yeah. aspect. That's his what like one a one power really. Like he has the money, but whatever. That's not his fighting skills and being knowing every martial art in the comic books, basically. I know this is more grounded, but I would not have looked at him and gone, This guy, skilled fighter, punches with his elbows. You know what I mean? I, I'm not disagreeing with with your line of thought. I, I just okay. don't think I don't think Nolan focused on that aspect of the character very much. Cause like we don't really see much in the next two films either. It, yeah. But that's like a huge part of the character. The, yeah. One of the main things we think of Batman, great fighter, one of the best in the universe detective and rich. I mean, dual- yeah. And other than the rich part, we don't get most of those other any things of that. Yeah. in, 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 well, in really any of the live action Batman movies. I mean, we just don't get I mean, a lot ben of Ben Affleck's, you had, you had yeah, that warehouse scene that showed that he yes. was a really great fighter. But yeah, the detective work, you don't really see in most of them. I guess you get to see some of that in the original Batman. But yeah, A little bit, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the my problem. Adam West Batman because he well, was a yes. straight up detective. <laughs> well, I was talking about Michael Keaton, but yes, Adam West was definitely a detective. But Michael Keaton did some detective work in his too, more than more so than a lot of the other, uh, really any of the other Batman movies that have come out since. But yeah, until BVS, I don't I don't think we ever got to see a live action Batman fight well. Well, that's why I don't like that everybody think thinks of this trilogy as the definitive Batman trilogy, and you know, I guess not everybody well, does, but a I, lot I of people really do. There's a whole generation of people, the generation after us that grew up with these movies, they see this as the definitive Batman movie, a lot of them, and it's it's a little disheartening because it's not a good showing for the character, in my opinion. Well, let's let's talk a bit about the villains because we have a couple to choose from. Uh, so of course we talked about Liam Neeson already as Ra's al Ghul, but then we also have Crane as Scarecrow. Um, Probably who, the best part of the movie, in my opinion. God, he's so good. Cillian Murphy is so good. Yeah, uh, he's great, and I think it's a wonderful Batman villain. I think that it's a shame that this like it's the only real time for him to shine because yeah, he's in the whole trilogy, but he gets more ridiculous with each one. Um, but let's let's talk about let's talk about scarecrow so what what are the things you like about him why is he good first of all he has a fantastic aura about him as a character cillian murphy gives off the impression that he is knowledgeable to the point where everybody finds him annoying and he also gives off this unsettling vibe that you don't know what's wrong with him. You're not quite sure, but you're not really comfortable being around him either. So he's just the perfect choice for Jonathan Crane, in my opinion. And I think he was a huge inspiration when Gotham cast their Riddler because the guy looks very similar. And for the first few episodes, he played it similarly too. Now, of course, the character changed quite a bit over time, but uh, just I think that's kind of what they were going for in the beginning. Was this this one and Gotham are the only two live-action Scarecrows we've gotten, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. They were both pretty good. Gotham's was really good. This one was really good. So, I mean, Scarecrow has a pretty good record. I think he fits Batman well. I think and he's, he's a- an easy one that's like, you don't, he doesn't have these crazy superpowers, mm-hmm. right? I mean, his powers are all based and grounded. So this was a good choice for this series of movies that are in a much more grounded universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. You know, his mask is creepy. And it's it's frightening. The the effect that they use, I think, worked pretty well most of the time. It's not perfect, but With like the worms coming out or whatever. Yeah, like I think that was really cool. I like when he gets gassed, the way he sees Batman, I always thought looked really good. Um, you know, and so I think there's a lot of positive stuff there. And it's a really great villain for Batman because it's it is a reflection of who Batman is, right? Batman preys on fear. Well, so does Scarecrow. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I like that balance. And Unfortunately, both live action and animated tend to focus very heavily on a small set of Batman villains. And there's some really great ones that just don't get their, their due. And this Scarecrow is one of them. Mm-hmm. It's true. I mean, Scarecrow has had less live action appearances than Bane at this point. And, uh, you know, Bane has done much worse in all of the incarnations that 
he's been found in. So at least yeah. Scarecrow's two appearances were both pretty good. He has that going well, for him. I mean, you, you might have somebody come back and say that Scarecrow shows up in all three of the Nolan films. So I don't know how you want to count that. Well, but, I mean, Crane does, yeah. but Scarecrow doesn't show back up. You could tell that in the second and third movie, like the toxin that he was exposed to is permanently uh, damaged his brain a bit. And he suffers from some delusions, but Mm -hmm. it works. You know, him appearing in all three movies, as the movies progress, and I, you know, if for me it's a it's a kind of mountain thing. You know, the Batman Begins is a little high up there, and then Dark Knight's higher, and then Batman Rises is, or Dark Knight Rises is down below. But like Crane just gets better and better, in my opinion. Yeah, he was definitely the highlight of the film for me. I mean, he was he was a pleasure to watch in every every part of the movie. And uh, yeah, I really liked the scene when he takes Rachel down to the basement. And, uh, you know, he's so confident in what he's doing and that she can't get away. He just lets her run away. What a boss move. He doesn't even go back. Yeah, like he eventually does. To, to right. put, he puts his mask on and goes and gets her. But like he doesn't even look at her when she runs away. Mm-hmm. And then when Batman shows up, his move is to call the police, which is great because it shows that, uh, you know, he he it's more important for the police to get Batman than it is for them to find out what's going on here because it's already done. He's already done the plot. It's kind of like Watchmen where Ozymandias is like, I wouldn't, why would I monologue before I did it? I did it 15 minutes ago, so now you can't stop it. You know, same kind of thing. He's a smart villain, and most of Batman's villains tend to be intelligent, right, with the, with the exception of, of, of a few big ones. But Crane is smart, and I think that that's important because if you want to show Batman being this great detective, which, again, he, he's not shown that here, you need a smart villain. Um, so then the other villain we have, well, I guess there's another antagonist, but the other villain we have is Falcone. Does it bother you guys that they call him Falcone? I always thought it was Falcone. No, I like Falcone. Either way is fine. I'm Italian. That's how you're supposed to pronounce it. In Gotham, it was Falcone for f- five seasons. So yeah. I guess that's just what I got used to. I always thought it was Falcone. So this movie just like Fair enough. agreed with me. So I was, I mean, <laughs> whatever. Of course, it's also <laughs> supposed to be Ray al Ghul, right? And they didn't do that now, one. See, right. That one has always bothered me because fans are split. I've heard Rods. I've heard Ray the movies pronounce them differently. The uh, cartoons have pronounced them differently. That one gets on my nerves. I just want somebody to be like, this is how you say it. You want the speech bubble in the comics to go, Roz pronounced Raish. Uh, no, you know, I, <laughs> I want the creator of Roz or Raish al Ghul to just to be like, it it's this. Yes. Yeah. That's what I want. Somebody with authority. It can be Jeff right. Johns for all I care at this point, but... Yeah, because I, I, I think at, at some point in time, people tried to say that it's Ra's al Ghul to all of us, but it's Raish to anybody who's actually in the League of Shadows. Yeah, that's dumb. <laughs> like, uh, my, like name, oh, okay. <laughs> my name is Ray to you guys, but everybody else, it's Rai. Ah, uh, okay. No. No. See, it's stupid. Agreed. <laughs> I did not uh, like yeah. that at all. Right yeah, there. I don't either. It's it's bad. Uh. Uh, but yeah, so Falcone, he's uh, he. I think he's really good too. I think he plays the the corrupt mob boss really well. Um, it's not a very 
challenging role in my opinion, but I still think it's important in this story. And I think he does a good job. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't have any argument. He didn't play a big role in the movie. So, well, I was going to say, I want to talk about how awesome Gary Oldman is. Mm. Is uh, I have seen so many of his movies and so many of them are just straight up bad, but he's always wonderful. And I noted that last night we could have watched, you know, Fifth Element and then Batman Begins and then uh, Order of the Phoenix all back to back. And he has different walks and different uh, wordings, different speech patterns. Like he's such an amazing chameleon of an actor that I, I love his Jim Gordon too. I think it's the most... It's the closest to the comics, in my opinion. I definitely agree. Yeah, it's my favorite, Jim Gordon, Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, of all the things in this trilogy, like he is my definitive Jim Gordon at this point in time. No doubt about it. Um, I I think it's a good story. I think it's a it's a cool character that he's this guy who just feels totally lost, but still wants to try and make things better, and he is willing to trust somebody who for all he knows is likely psychotic uh if it means (laughs) actually doing the right thing you know um and i like that i like that a lot no i'm with you it shows him as a family man like you kind of get like glimpses into that part of his life and so you you know you get to see him drive the tumbler which is really (laughs) cool and you know i don't know he had probably the best character development of, of anybody in the whole trilogy i think Oh, because you get to see the progression of his character to where, you know, he becomes, you know, who, who he's supposed to be in, in the, uh, the, the mythology. Um, but yeah, Gary Oldman just brings it. He, he always brings it to, yeah. to Ray's point, you know. He, it's and, a shame that he hasn't ever been recognized, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a damn shame. Well, I mean, he finally got his Oscar for playing Winston Churchill. Did he? Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was just last year, the year before. Well, I'm glad he got finally got recognized for something at least. Right. I think the problem is he's always playing a side character, right? He's very rarely the main character of a movie. You know, all those movies that you mentioned, Rachel, he's the side character. He's great yeah. in those roles, but you know, it's not really a something the Academy Award. I mean, I guess it's supporting actor, but it's, I don't even know that he would qualify in any of these movies based on the screen time. That's tough. I mean, he's basically a character actor, but like yeah. one of the, one of the greatest to ever live, you know? Agreed. Um, Cause to, to, to your point about Winston Churchill, he just disappears into that role. I forgot it was him, you know? And I mean, that's, that's the sign of a good actor, right? If I can forget who you are when you're a, big name like that then you're doing if that's a, a sign job. of a good actor then you there's not many good actors out there right now absolutely it's like him and meryl streep <laughs> I, no there's and a Nicholas ton Cage. more uh, <laughs> of course kurt of course. russell um so and then so if we're going to talk about you know some character development we get lucius fox who's morgan freeman's character um i'm a sucker for a character like that because he's basically like the Q from James Bond, but of the Batman universe and uh-huh. has all the cool gadgets and tech. And I, I like the creation and introduction of a character like this because it does help explain why Bruce has all of this stuff and where it came from. 
because uh, yeah i mean money can buy anything but it still has to come from somewhere and i like that he has that kind of go-to character my problem with lucius in this trilogy as a whole is that he's basically the comic book batman's intelligence in what was already an intelligent character but they basically give him like anything smart that, Bat- that batman does in like the comic books lucius does in these movies and it kind of takes away from batman as the character right like Batman doesn't figure out what they're trying to do in Gotham. Uh, Lucius figures that out, what the League of Assassins is trying to do. I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, in this movie, that's true. In in Dark Knight, Bruce figures it out, right? Bruce is the one who builds the cell phone network and everything like that. That's all Bruce is doing. I guess. I don't know. I, I felt like that was kind of Wayne tech that he just kind of like put into one central server or something. It was already something that existed. No, because because Fox is very... It doesn't show him like programming all this shit into a computer and show Batman no, turn into a computer af- programmer. It's after the fact, right? But Fox is very upset that this thing exists and he believes it shouldn't exist and he's ready to quit, right? Like not to go off on that tangent, but you know, basically he says he'll do this one mission and then he quits, right? Um, and so like, yeah. we, know, we know that Bruce had... <clears throat> Bruce had to put that together. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I don't know. I didn't take it the same way. But no, I have some issues with Fox too. Like, first of all, uh, this is the most Fox has ever done in his character creation. Like, he was in the animated series and the. In Gotham, he had a pretty big role. Did he? Yeah, he was a okay. pretty pretty regular character in that show. But I know that's different, whatever, but yeah, it totally is. And it came after this and I, uh, I still haven't seen a ton of it, but yeah. So he's just a minor character and I agree with you. I think he did take away from Batman as a whole. There were multiple times where, uh, Bale says something like, Oh, I don't get that. Or what is that? Or, you know, yeah. Whereas the world's greatest detective would have probably been aware of all that stuff. Right. And I know it's like year one Batman or whatever, essentially. He's he's yeah. just starting out as Batman, but still. I mean, it's... I'm not saying he should have been the one to synthesize the antidote or anything for the toxin. But, but in the comics, he would have been the one to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Because yeah. it wasn't the cartoons, just... he would have. Or as the well. cartoons, yeah. 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 I think even Keaton's Batman would have been the one to synthesize the antidote, you know? I wonder if it was maybe a flaw in how they thought to handle the movie because it's a lot of exposition and it almost, it almost requires a narrator, right? Like noir style, him talking over it, you know, like Blade Runner or something like that. And maybe like Rorschach. Yeah, exactly. And maybe Nolan just didn't want to do that. And he decided to create a character, not to create a character, but to to use a character for that. Um, I'm not, saying that that was the right decision or anything, but I think it creates more interaction and less just straight exposition. And the movie's already kind of slow. Yeah, it is. You know, so I worry, I think maybe that would have made it, I mean, that would have made it even slower, right? Because you're going to remove an entire part of the film. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. I still think there's probably a better way to handle it. Everybody is all up on how Christopher Nolan is this, amazing director that everybody wants to work with and blah 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 and yes he's had some good movies but he's also missed the mark on a lot of movies and i think that the that this movie i don't know if i'm going to say he wholly missed the mark but this trilogy 
is not as great as everybody holds it up to be. I think he do, what he does very, very well is establishing shots and other wide shots. I think his cinematography is pretty beautiful when it's... Uh, Did you scenery. get that in this movie? In, 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 the, in the wide shots and the establishing shots, yeah. I think they're really good, especially early on uh, with you know, his journey through like the mountains and stuff like that. I think Nolan has that down really well. I think what he doesn't have down as well is the scene to scene conversations and the action sequences. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it still doesn't make sense to me why everybody would, would want to, you know, want to work with a a director that is, you know, because he's good to work with. I mean, like that's, that may be something that we just don't have the, the experience with, right. He may just be a great, director for actors they might feel comfortable they might feel welcome they might feel a good creative back and forth and at the end of the day i mean his movies do well so the actors get notoriety from that as long as they do their job well too right i just i guess i'm trying to understand why the movies do well you know i mean it's some of them some of them are obvious reasons right like is the dark knight really that great of a movie when you think about it if you take out heath ledger and you put another mediocre actor into that role, is that still a great movie? I mean, I don't know that you can do that, though, because I think that's most great movies. If you remove the best actor from it and replace it with just a so-so person, it changes the whole film. I mean, you could say that about... But, I mean, a lot of movies, the story can hold up with Sometimes, mediocre yeah. actors, too. I just I, don't think... I wonder if it's that strong of a movie. I don't know. I, I, I think The Dark Knight is very, very good. Um, I think that it did get a bit of a bump because of the Heath Ledger situation. You know, so more, more people went to go see it. Um, And I think then again, uh, similar to like the Spider-Man trilogy, the third film ends up doing really well because the one before it was very good. But I still think the dark Knight on its own is, is great. And some of Nolan's other stuff like technical is very good. Inception is an incredibly technical tight film as much as I hate the story to interstellar and think that it's, it's utter nonsense. The technical aspects of interstellar are outstanding. Um, and I think those are the things that he's good at. And those, those movies include a lot of wide establishing shots that are just very nice. Fair enough. I'm not going to keep harping on that anymore. <laughs> Ray thoughts. Well, I think a lot of people like working with Christopher Nolan because one, he's a very supportive director. No actors have anything bad to say about him. And uh, they usually, like he usually lets his characters or his actors play their characters the way they want. So that's really nice. I know a lot of actors appreciate that. And uh, like, you know, he his movies make money they make oscar nominations and those are the kind of people you want to work with as a serious serious actor like tenet if you if you listen to the interviews or anything like that isn't that the new one that's coming out it's called tenet right a lot of the actors have no fucking clue what that movie is about yeah yeah, that's a Nolan and thing. And that's yeah. a Nolan thing, right? Like Memento, Interstellar, you know, there, there's a lot of problems in a lot I of I definitely tenet. don't agree with that at all. I, I think like if your own actors, if your own crew have no idea what they're doing, then 
how do how you is, know what you're doing? And how does the actor know to how to portray the character if they have no idea what's going on? You know what I mean? It's a tough, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'll there are a lot it, of positives but... for sure of, of Chris Nolan. You guys have definitely brought those up and I wouldn't argue that he's had some good movies. I just don't know that these are necessarily the pinnacles. Well, this is what got him that kind of stuff. You know, he would have never been able to make inception or interstellar two completely original out of his ass ideas if he hadn't done something that was money making with an established property it really made him a household name mm-hmm. at the end at the end of the day it really did um so we're you know we're a little over time here there's a couple other things i wanted to touch on um one thing that nolan's trilogy does do that some of the other Batman films struggled with is define what Gotham looks like and how it's structured. But even though they do that, I still find like, I still find it confusing, even though it's more grounded and realistic compared to say like, you know, the Schulmacher Batman films. But what do you guys think of the structure of Gotham and the narrows? Like, does that make sense to you? Do do you in your head picture how that's all laid out? Oh, I want to say that Gotham has never made sense to me geographically. (laughs) I like never. So in the Tim Burton, Joel Schumacher films, it's this weird mix of New York and Chicago with modern day or even futuristic technology, but also a 1930s vibe. And, you know, then in um, Nolan's, nothing makes sense geographically it's like spread out over all these little islands and bridges similar to new york but not like as big as new york or not as functional i guess and then in batman v superman all of a sudden it's directly across the bay from metropolis and they can like see each other like palin can see putin like ridiculous gotham's never made sense (laughs) okay so so yes it it, i think in the movies it's kind of tough like to give a good geographical layout to the whole city um that's easy to understand uh so i can kind of give a pass to an extent on that um i think that if those locations play a big role in the movie that you do have to make a more of an effort to to show that and i don't know this movie necessarily did that or really any of the movies have. I think that, again, I go back to it, but Gotham did a really good job. You got to see, you got a whole season practically in the Narrows, and you got, you know, so if I didn't know these things from the Gotham show, I would be like, I would be more confused. Of course, it's a different layout in the movies, but I know what they're referencing, and in my head, that's kind of the layout that I go to. Um, so, but again, that's a CTV show over five seasons with, you know, hour-long episodes. Um, so, you have it's a little easier yeah it's just like character development you get more time to to develop the city as a character and it is kind of the downside of the dc locations being fictional whereas in marvel it's you know it's new it's actually new york city um and so you know nolan's trilogy is supposed to be gotham is supposed to be chicago basically Uh, but then yeah like it's changed in uh the Zack snyder stuff um i like the idea of metropolis and and gotham being near each other i don't know that i like them being that near to each other yeah like you can throw a rock across the bay and and hit the other city that's a little a little too close 
I think. Yeah, um, then why isn't Batman protector of Metropolis also? Yeah. I mean, it's, it just has to cross the river. Batman That's can get Minneapolis there in like two and St. Paul close. Exactly. Right. That is not, yeah. you know, Boston, New York close. Well, right. And like if Metropolis is supposed to kind of be Kansas City, right, because of Smallville and everything, then like at least make Gotham as far away as St. Louis. You know, that's I think that's as close as they can be and yeah. have it make sense. Metropolis is supposed to be Chicago. Is it as a kid I thought it was supposed to be New York and then during the no. small the Smallville show it felt more like it was supposed to be Kansas City. No, uh they've always said that Keystone and Central City are supposed to be uh Kansas City and like Overland Park. Huh. Okay. Well there you go. There you have it. I don't know. <laughs> it's confusing. <laughs> Did you guys uh, like, is Michael Caine one of your favorite Alfreds? I mean, there's not been that many, but. I feel that Michael Caine's Alfred starts high and then declines dramatically. Not because of Michael Caine. He plays the role just fine. It's the stuff they give him. And like in this one, he he truly cares about Bruce and he cares about Rachel and he cares about his mission and the uh, well-being of the public of Gotham. And, and in the, the Wayne sec- name. Right, right. And in the second one, he care- like suggests burning down a whole forest to find one guy. And then in the third one, like he's just useless. Like he his character really gets worse and worse but if this is just the better one of the three as far as his character goes i i I mean i think he's fine i don't know like i don't really have a problem with any of it i think that i like the uh, the other two live action alfreds we got in the movies better um then, then Michael Caine, I think Michael Caine does have some good moments throughout uh, this movie in particular, but yeah, I mean, I don't even understand how old he's supposed to be in this one movie, let alone the whole trilogy, because he doesn't, like, they didn't really age him down or up very well between the time periods of the young Bruce and the present day Bruce, and that has to be a, a decade at least. Um, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so, and then there's a, the seven year jump uh that happens too so you know i i just i don't know i I think he's fine i think he's probably my least favorite of all the live action alfreds if i had to pick a least favorite yeah i mean that's it's sad to say that because michael kane's such a great actor but yeah it's just a weird they handled the character very weirdly in these movies and i don't think it's his fault right that's the thing and I liked him until honestly I saw Jeremy Irons and I realized how much better it could be played. Jeremy Irons combined, you know, the caring and the softness of Michael Guff's version, as well as uh, the good things that were brought up about Alfred in the animated series and the comic book. You know, you could really believe that Jeremy Irons was former British, um, soldier or spy that's what i liked about him and about sean pertwee and gotham is they were both like you didn't get that in any of the other Mm -hmm. movies you 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 could tell this guy like he knew his shit and he could beat some ass if he needed to um and yeah you didn't feel like michael kane could do anything to anybody 
other than like maybe give him some life advice yeah <laughs> and uh, he needs to have that kind of soft father figure i think that was my only problem with sean pertwee when i saw him yeah there was that... no softness for it well there was some but yeah it, <laughs> it, it took a while to between. get there but you know he, bruce is still an eight-year-old boy that just lost his parents and you're telling him to go kick asses and stuff like it's not the greatest but he's got to turn to batman somehow <laughs> Well, yeah. unless you know you he don't did coddle it on Batman as a child. Okay, let's get real. Apparently, I, I I do like that it's not Alfred who pushes him to become Batman. <laughs> I do like that. But let's let's talk. We actually haven't talked a whole lot about Christian Bale and his performance as Bruce Wayne and Batman. What are your thoughts? Do you think that he was a good fit for either persona, neither, both? I always liked Bale as Batman, and I think he makes an excellent Bruce Wayne. I also think that just like Michael Caine's character, he gets, he declines as uh, the movies go on. Um, His Batman voice in this one is not very, not as gravelly. It's not as off-putting as, or as noticeable as it is in the second one. Like it's a reasonable disguise so that, you know, the average person doesn't know that it's also this billionaire who's always on TV and in the papers. But He's very smart in this one, and he he plays it up very well. His American accent compared to his Welsh one is incredible. Ryan, I'm looking at your face. I feel like maybe you have a slightly different opinion. Oh, he definitely does. <laughs> I mean, next to Clooney, I think that Bale was probably the worst Batman and Bruce Wayne. He was the only really like good Bruce Wayne moment that I felt uh, in this movie was when he was at the dinner. And the girls are like going swimming or whatever. And then they're like, the guy dresses like a bat, clearly something. So, you know, like I like that part, but then he looks like suspiciously intent as to what they're talking about. Like he's really interested after he just like threw it, a, cast it aside a second ago. But then as they continue talking about Batman, he's like really into it when he's supposed to be not caring. I don't know. But that was like the only real good Bruce Wayne scene that I thought we got in this whole movie. I thought the I, stuff with Rachel was stupid and i don't know you gotta give him a love interest right i guess but yeah i mean as batman he was all right i guess i a lot of the stuff is not his fault like the suits i didn't like the suits in any of the three movies this one was certainly the best of the three which is not really saying much but um yeah it's i guess he was i don't know his batman was a little weird but it was not super off-putting or anything it's not like when they finally suit up in Gotham and the suit looks like it was put together by a five-year-old or anything, but he was, yeah, he's a good actor. Yes. And I agree that his American accent was good. And I like what he did with the voice in this one versus the second one and the third one. Um, But I still think the mech voice that, that Affleck had was probably the best or Michael Keaton's was really good too, but Mm -hmm. I'm with you on that for sure. Um, it's, it's funny, the scene you're talking about where you, th- you think you got the best Bruce Wayne, I feel like that's when he's really channeling his American Psycho character. Which is great for Bruce Wayne, though. Uh, yeah, mean, oh yeah. I don't mean that as a negative. Yeah. Um, and so like, I, I noticed that too. I think, I think that he easily could have been the best Batman and, and Bruce Wayne. I think he, he as an actor has the potential to do that. And I think he has the dedication and the physicality to do that. But I think there are a lot of things outside of his control that ham- hamper the, the character a bit. 
Um, I do like the gauntlets that the the fins are actually yeah. like can snap swords in half and things like that. You don't really get that in any of the other Batman movies. I thought that that was pretty cool, and the fact that they were like basically League of Assassins gauntlets. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I did like that part. Yeah, you don't yeah. really get to see the function of of those very often in the, in the movies. Yeah, I and that's I think that's what I really like the most about this trilogy is the groundedness that it has where it a lot of it feels real um obviously isn't grounded well what i what what i mean by that is that a lot of the stuff that he has and can do are in the physical world um because a lot of other superheroes especially in dc the power sets are so outrageous that it's it's hard to relate to those types of characters sometimes um you know, Marvel doesn't have that problem as much as DC does. And I think Batman, this was an opportunity for Batman to be more relatable. And I think they got closer than some other versions, but not as close as I think they could have given the resources. They just went too far with it, I think, because Batman, even in the comics, is not a grounded character. He's His villains are outrageous. He's, you know he's wealthy beyond the any what any of us can imagine he you know there's so much about him that is not relatable at all the only thing you can really relate to him on is the fact that he's a human and that he wants yeah. to do the right thing and that's those are the tenets that it's, it's like superman right like there's so many things about him that are unbelievable but you should be able to relate to those aspects of the character and i think making it more grounded kind of lessens the impact that or the connection that you should have had to Batman versus me, you know, I don't, I don't care about why, how his grapple gun works and the fact that it was made for military. Like I don't need that exposition. Like I want to relate to Batman as a character rather than like, because he has stuff that could actually exist. Well, I, I want both at, at the end of the day. I, I, like, I like that the tumbler is a realistic vehicle that was actually a prototype for, for a military that was supposed to exist. Whereas like, the the batman live action movies before it the batmobile as much as i loved it as a kid and some of the designs are truly iconic it, it's just not a vehicle that i think could ever actually work in any any city type situation where you're fighting crime so i like that it works i like that it's a real thing that could function um you know and the, the ben affleck batman does a lot of that too right? Um, it's a little bit grittier, of course, but it, I think it follows the positive footsteps that the Nolan trilogy started to lay out. The, I just think the Nolan trilogy loses its way pretty quickly. Rachel, thoughts? No, I agree with that. I had already talked about Bale, so it was your turn. That's true. You did get to talk about it. I did. Well, we are way over our time, though, uh-huh. but I feel like there's still a lot to talk about. Is there anything that you guys really want to mention? No. I really want to stress how bad the fight scenes are <laughs> because it really bothers me. It's Batman. He should have the coolest fight scenes. Like Birds of Prey, there was a lot of things wrong with that movie. I liked it, but the fight scenes were really fucking cool. Yeah, they were. BBS, there one really cool fight scene. Like those are the fight scenes that we should have all the time with Batman because that's his I mean, not his whole shtick, but like half of his thing is that he's such a good fighter and that that turned me off so much rewatching this movie. All right. So let's, let, let's maybe do this. So that's, that's what Ryan likes the least. What's something that you think was good. What's, what's your favorite part of the movie? Favorite aspects, no matter how assassins small. armors were cool. Okay. 
Ray, what about you? Your least favorite and then your favorite thing. Mm, least favorite is the CGI bats. <laughs> when he gets up in the cave and they're like circling him, I was like, oh, that's bad. That's real bad. <laughs> and most favorite is uh, Cillian Murphy. But I, I like you, I do like some of the wide shots that he does. Him perched on the building, the drop down in the uh, I, I abandoned Arkham at the end or something like that. Like he does really good wide shots. It's like they were made for f- computer wallpapers on purpose. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, for me, my my least favorite is uh, basically the, the the way the subway and water system works for the climax of the movie. I think it's really silly. And I think that the way it was executed is just really not very good. Um, if, if you were going to go and send the, the Batmobile to go blow up the train, then what is Batman even doing on the train? He should have just done it himself. Why send, why send Gordon, who has no idea how to use the tumbler, to go do that if you're not doing anything to slow down anything? Um, so that, that bothers me a lot. <laughs> and I was hoping on this rewatch, I would catch something that explains it that I had just forgotten, but no, uh, favorite, favorite parts of the movie. Um, you know, Cillian, uh, Cillian Murphy's definitely up there, but to pick something a little bit different. Um, I like the, uh, the dock scene with the shipping containers where, uh, Batman takes out the goons and, and, um, straps Falcone to the spotlight and everything. I really like, that collection of scenes. I think those were well executed for the most part. There's some really great moments and shots in there, like where the guy gets sucked into the dark shipping container or he's, you know, hanging uh, Batman's hanging upside down right behind the guy. I think there's some really great moments there. Um, and I think we needed more of that throughout, not just this film, but the trilogy as a whole. All right, then. So there you have it. Uh, all right. Well, then that's going to be it for us. We're going to wrap things up here after an extended episode. If you have different opinions about Batman Begins, please let us know. You can, of course, uh, hit us up online. But if people want to talk to you guys specifically, Ryan, how may people reach out to you? If it's about Christian Bale, I'd rather not. But at Buster Props on stuff, cool. social medias. And Ray, how about you? I'm at Siren Ray, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I am at the Star Trek Dude. You can also find me on our sibling show, Gamer Heroes, in which I talk about video games. I recently had Ryan on with a couple, uh, with uh, somebody else to talk about Fallout. And Ray will be joining me here in a few weeks to talk about Pokemon. So Yo. come go check out that show on the Heroes Podcast Network. And you can find Screen Heroes at Screen Heroes Pod on Twitter or at heroespodcast.com or the Heroes Podcast Network on Facebook. Please join our Facebook group, the Screen Heroes Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Screen Heroes. You can talk about movies and TV with a lovely group of people. We have been doing uh, voting tournaments recently. We're wrapping up our Pixar tournament which has been really uh, eye-opening for me to kind of see what... to spoil anything for anybody, but Cars 2 is going to win. <laughs> I'm ensuring. I, I'm buying Ryan. off all the votes. It's a real Cinderella story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> My God. But uh, do, do we know what the next topic is for our tournament yet? Did we, did we work that out? Yeah, it's X-Men, actually. 
All right. Is this the, just the live, a, live action X-Men films? The live action X-Men films. So it includes the original trilogy from the early 2000s, the Wolverine trilogy, the uh, quadrilogy from the 2010s, and then, of course, the two Deadpool films. Nice. Eric, it looks like you just palmed Liam Neeson's head and then kissed him when you took that drink <laughs> like you, you literally had your hand up like this and turned in like went like that right into it let's see it's perfect that's if you perfect. are listening this is the kind of thing you miss out on the live stream that's right you can join the live stream in the group as well so you can come vote in these fun polls talk about movies and the latest news and tuesday nights at 9 p.m eastern 8 central you can join us live so thank you to everybody that joined us in chat tonight. We actually had some fun conversation in there, which was great and really appreciated. So thank you to everybody who joined us for that. Uh, Otherwise we will be back next week actually to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the first X-Men film. Yep. So that's what we will be doing next week. If you want to prep ahead and rewatch it, just like we'll be doing, you can join us next week for that. Otherwise have a great week, everybody. We'll catch you next time. the other drugs going swear to me swear to me